Welcome to your Monday edition of Transformation Radio. This might hurt, it's not safe, but I know that I've got to make a change. I don't care if I break, at least I'll be feeling something. Cause just okay is not enough, help me fight through the nothingness of life. It's time to begin our reading in the New Testament, and our narrative will come from the book of Mark, 
chapter 10, verses 32 through 52. We'll read that Jesus' death and resurrection should have come as no surprise to the disciples. Well, here he clearly explained to them what would happen to him. Unfortunately, they didn't uh, really hear what he was saying. Jesus said he was the Messiah, but they thought the Messiah would be a conquering king. He spoke to them of resurrection, but they heard only his words about death. But Jesus often spoke in parables. The disciples may have thought that his words on death and resurrection were another parable that uh, they simply weren't astute enough to understand. Because Jesus often spoke in parables, well, the disciples may have thought that his words on death and resurrection were just uh, you know, another parable that they weren't astute enough to understand. Jesus' predictions of his death and resurrection show that these events were God's plan from the beginning and, and not accidents. Mark records that John and James went to Jesus with their request. In Matthew, their mother also made the request. Apparently, mother and sons were in agreement in requesting the honored places in Christ's kingdom. Now, the disciples, like most Jews of that day, had the wrong idea of the Messiah's kingdom as predicted by the Old Testament prophets. They thought Jesus would establish an earthly kingdom that would free Israel from Rome's oppression. James and John wanted honored places in it. But Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It's not centered in palaces and thrones, but in the hearts and lives of his followers. The disciples did not understand this until after Jesus' resurrection. Now, James and John said they were willing to face any trial for Christ, and both did suffer. James died as a martyr, and John was forced to live in exile. It's easy to say we'll endure anything for Christ. And yet, most of us complain about the most minor problems. Uh, we may say that we're willing to suffer for Christ. But are we willing to suffer the minor irritations that sometimes come with serving others? And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. March 2nd, the New Testament. Mark chapter 10 Verses 32 through 52. They, the disciples, were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said, We're going up to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die, and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, and kill him. But after three days he will rise again. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? he asked. They replied, When you sit on your glorious throne— we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. 
God has prepared those places for the ones He has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Psalm 45, verses 1 through 17. This is called a messianic psalm because it prophetically describes the Messiah's future relationship to the church, his body of believers. Verse 2 expresses God's abundant blessing on his Messiah. Verses 6 through 8 find their ultimate fulfillment in Christ. And the church is described as the bride of Christ in Revelation. Now we'll read about myrrh here today. That's a fragrant gum of an Arabian tree, generally used in perfumes. Aloe is a spice may have come from sandalwood, a close-grained and fragrant wood often used for storage boxes or chests. Cassia was probably made from flowers of the cinnamon tree. These expensive fragrances were appropriate for a king's wedding. The location of this place called Ophir is unknown. We'll read about Ophir here in Scripture today. But it's believed to be either uh, in Arabia or Africa. It was famous as a source of gold. And then this psalm turns poetic. This beautiful section of poetry pictures Christ's bride, the church, with the richest blessings as she unites forever with him. Psalm 45, verses 1 through 17. For the choir director, a love song to be sung to the tune, Lilies, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. Beautiful words stir my heart. I will recite a lovely poem about the king, for my tongue is like the pen of a skillful poet. You are the most handsome of all. Gracious words stream from your lips. God himself has blessed you forever. Put on your sword, O mighty warrior. You are so glorious, so majestic. In your majesty, ride out to victory, defending truth, humility, and justice. Go forth to perform awe-inspiring deeds. Your arrows are sharp, piercing your enemies' hearts. The nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you 
pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume your robes. In ivory palaces the music of strings entertains you. King's daughters are among your noble women. At your right side stands the queen, wearing jewelry of finest gold from Ophir. Listen to me, O royal daughter. Take to heart what I say. Forget your people and your family far away. For your royal husband delights in your beauty. Honor him, for he is your lord. The princess of Tyre will shower you with gifts. The wealthy will beg your favor. The bride, a princess, looks glorious in her golden gown. In her beautiful robes, she is led to the king, accompanied by her bridesmaids. What a joyful and enthusiastic procession as they enter the king's palace. Your sons will become kings like their father. You will make them rulers over many lands. I will bring honor to your name in every generation. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it.
today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading begins in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 3. Jesus is speaking. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and make them know that I have loved you, Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. In New Testament times, the city of Philadelphia was strategically located on travel routes between Rome and the east. This made it an important conduit for Greek culture and language. The church there received an exciting opportunity when God planned that the region would become known for a new export, the good news of Jesus Christ. For the loyal church at Philadelphia, this was a tremendous blessing. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus Christ acknowledged the congregation's deeds, which means they must have carried out their work with diligence and dependence on the Lord. That community of faith also followed God's word and didn't deny his name, despite opposition from the synagogue of Satan, the worldly people who also inhabited the city. The Lord opens doors, not simply for mission organizations and churches, but also for individual believers. A chance to do his will in any area of life must be taken seriously, as his opportunities always lead to the path he has designed for us. Some seem too good to be true. Others are cloaked in hardship, and still others defy human reasoning. We need to know how to listen for and discern God's voice, so that we can be certain when it is His hand opening a door. We all desire that the Lord give us His best for the life to which He's called us. So we must build a proven record of faithful obedience, as the Philadelphian church did. When we serve Him with loyalty, humility, and diligence, God will open doors for even greater blessing. I know I still make mistakes, but 
always. Love never fails. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. Lift your hands and sing it. You make. You Michelle Ott from Fridley, Minnesota, who's the director of operations, said on Minute with Maxwell John, would you discuss the word kindness? It reminds me of a conversation I was having with a wonderful friend, Linda Kaplan-Thaler, who's a tremendous marketing lady out of New York City, very creative. She's the one who put the duck in Aflac, okay? That's how good she is. She has an expression that I love, simple expression, and it deals really, Michelle, with this word kindness. Her expression is, be nice. I've heard her say often, many, many times, to people, just be nice. In your business transactions, just be nice. In your casual relationships, be nice. Just be nice. And what she says is what I believe. Kindness, niceness, goes a long way. And when people are deciding about friendships, relationships, business deals, I think they migrate to kindness.
Tyler Pack with Transformation Radio, and I have here today with me Chris Bowman, who will be transferring to third phase today. Chris, got a couple questions I'd like to ask you, just to give a little feedback to the ministry. How has the refuge impacted your life? The refuge has impacted my life in many ways. It's brought me closer to God. The love of my brothers and the love for others is unreal. The changes upon myself and inside me, and I encounter with Jesus Christ, and it changed my heart. That's awesome. Another one here. What has God done in your life since coming into the refuge? <laughs> what hasn't He done? You know, when I first came in here, I was broken, just like any other man. But uh, since my time here in the refuge, I've noticed what God has done for me in the past and now. You know, even when I gave up on Him, He was always there. Okay. What do you feel keeps this ministry going strong and so successful? Um, definitely the brotherhood. You know, um, if every man would stand up and give their testimony, you would hear a little bit of my testimony in theirs. The blessings this place has brought upon my life, the relationship with not only my brothers, but my wife and my family, it's truly a blessing to be here. I wish every man could see through my eyes to see the blessings that I've received in my life, being in the refuge. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. Thank you, Tyler. Just let them see you 
And that does it for today's podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Transformation Radio.